Welcome to the Everyday Innovator Podcast for product managers, leaders, and innovators. Your host is Chad McAllister, helping you become a product master. Listen and get ready for higher performance, for the doctor is in. Hi, this is Chad, and this is where product leaders and managers make their move to product masters. Learning practical knowledge that leads to more influence and confidence so that you will really create those products that customers love. A lot of new products are announced at trade shows and other events, such as CES for Consumer Electronics, International Builder Show for Construction Materials, and you also may have heard of the National Association of Music Merchants for all things musical, including where I saw some cool drums for my son. So for many product people, participating in their industry trade show each year is one of the most important things that they do. The pros who know how to launch products at trade shows are the ones who know how to compete for attention in noisy and crowded environments. That's a real skill. They quickly capture interest and generate opportunities. Consequently, they have knowledge and experience that everyday innovators should have as well. Which is why I spoke with one of a handful of people who large brands trust to announce their products at trade shows. She's Amy McWhorter, corporate event host, MC, and trade show presenter. Her real superpower is authentically engaging audiences in a way that creates connection. I think you'll enjoy hearing more about this field that I actually didn't know existed till too long ago. And you probably already know that I take notes for you. If you hear anything during the discussion that you want to refer back to, you'll find a summary of everything we talk about at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 222. Now to the talk with Amy. Amy, thanks for joining the Everyday Innovators. Great to be here, Chad. Thanks for having me. So we've known each other for a few months now. Enjoy getting to know you and your background. And I really became fascinated when we first met about what you do, because frankly, I never thought about people in this role before, even though I, I have seen many an event done and been to conferences and been to trade shows. But now your focus is on serving and emceeing corporate events and conferences but in the past, and you still do this, I realize too, but you did a lot of work in launching products, all kinds of products at events like trade shows, and you're not a product manager. And I just found this, <laughs> I, I should have known because I've been in enough trade shows. And I, frankly, I was always impressed with how some people at trade shows, they had these amazing presenters. And I just thought, wow, where do they find these people that are so good at product work and also at presenting? Mm -hmm. And then I found out about your role. Which is really interesting. So tell us more about the work that you're doing. I am a professional trade show presenter and attendees and often employees do think that I work for the company. And that's exactly the idea behind it. So I am hired to talk about a product or service at a trade show. It's usually inside the booth for attendees and uh, we'll get into more of the details kind of about what makes a good presentation later, I know. Mm -hmm. But yeah, a little bit of a background of how I got into that field. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So a lot of people ask me that when I'm, you know, what is this niche thing that, you know, I've kind of never heard of it, like you said. So I started out in the acting realm of things many years ago, doing commercials, industrials, as they were called back then, basically corporate videos. Mm -hmm. And I worked as a presenter, they were called narrators back then for the auto shows for two years. And that's where I first got 
experience presenting in front of live audiences at shows. You know, and as you know, those are shows that are open to the public. Mm-hmm. So B to C, I would say, right? Well, then I discovered just through the journey of, of being in the business that there was this trade show world, corporate trade show world of B to B. And I thought, ooh, <laughs> and, you know, started getting experience in that. And that's where I have lived ever since. That, that's my sweet spot. I, I love it. What's so fascinating to me is having been the product person at trade shows doing presentations, right, and feeling fairly competent. I know the product and I can talk about this. And then to learn that this is a pretty small group that you're a part of, right? There's people that are really good at this, not a lot of them. Yes. But there's the professionals that will do those trade show presentations on behalf of a product team. And just moving into that thinking, how can they possibly pull that off when they're not intimate with the product? And you make it look so easy. Yes, that's the whole idea. And there's there's all sorts of planning and things that go underneath that, which I'm sure we'll get into. Right. right. <laughs> So, and I further appreciate this because there are some people that bring a certain amount of energy just to their presence, to what they're doing. And I'm a fan of the Star Wars movies, and I came across an article I thought was really interesting to me. It was about Natalie Portman when she was in the original first Star Wars, and it was written by someone kind of behind the scenes talking about just what it was like when she first came into the room, you know, like the first day of rehearsal for Star Wars. And how she just filled the space. And there are some people that are like that, that walk into a room, and I don't know what it is, right? Their energy, whatever this is, but they just fill the space and they draw the attraction to them. And they're people that you kind of want to know and you kind of want to listen to. And Amy, you're one of those people. And it's one reason why I've enjoyed getting to know you for more too over the last few months. Because you just kind of fill the space. And you are someone that would naturally be good at presenting because people want to listen to you. So I can see why people find professionals to help with this sort of thing. Oh, I love that analogy. And um, yeah, I was just kind of beaming listening to it. You know, some of the things that you said, I mean, I almost feel weird saying that, but those are some of the feedback, you know, points that I get from people commonly uh, that people Mm -hmm. are drawn to when I get onto the microphone and they hear over the speakers what's this? And, and they come in. And so there is something about that. Uh, definitely, there is an energy. And I think part of it is a uh-huh. confidence and also a warmth, that combination. And then, of course, in the busy trade show environment, there are so many distractions, right? So your uh, vendors are, and exhibitors are competing for the attention of the attendees. So when, uh, I don't want, I don't know if I would say I have a commanding voice, but you know, that confidence mm-hmm. and warmth, warm confidence comes through and, Oh, what, what is that? There's definitely a curiosity right. that comes with it. And then of course, if they hear something that, you know, is in their field of expertise, which <laughs> hopefully should be, cause you know, we're all at the same industry's trade show that they, yeah tend to come over. Yeah, it's a powerful capability because I can certainly do it. I can be competent presenting, talking about a product and why it matters to people and connecting on a deeper level than just its features. But there's something different about just that energy. And I think it's the humility 
with the combination of confidence that goes along with that. When people want this kind of capability, helping to launch their products, I'm curious, who brings you in typically? Is it marketing or who brings you in? Yeah, great question. It usually is marketing that is my direct contact. So, or an events manager, but marketing is, but marketing is part of that. So if it's an events manager, then behind that, there's a product marketing Mm -hmm. person. It has also been a director of marketing. A director of marketing saw me at a booth next to them, and we have had an ongoing relationship now for several years, which is wonderful. They thought, oh, we need to step up our game, and and that happened to be a director of marketing. It has also been a CMO driving the push and working directly with a CMO, but usually contacted Hmm. by some sort of events person. Okay. Yeah. As product managers, a lot of us are aligned with marketing. A lot of us are aligned with engineering. It just kind of depends how the organization is set up. Sometimes we are in a group that reports directly to the CEO. But a lot of people listening also are product marketers and would be more in that direct role where they're thinking about, you know, how do we manage the communications of a product launch and then maybe an upgrade or something too. So that marketing connection is usually where you come in or the event sort of side. So if we want help with this, that might be who we go to as product managers to start talking about help in this area. Exactly. I'm interrupting the interview to share something really important. We'll get back to the discussion in just a minute, but I want you to know about an extraordinary system called the Rapid Product Mastery or RPM Experience. In just nine weeks, you can have a higher performing product team meeting only 75 minutes a week with no travel required. One product leader, after trying all the typical training workshops, turned to the RPM experience to get real change for his team. He said that this is the only training that provides an integrated product management perspective. It did exactly what I needed it to do. If you have a group of 5 to 14 product professionals, learn how you too can have a high-performing team in just 9 weeks, 75 minutes a week, without travel. This is the system created by Chad, based on his experience working as a product leader, coaching several organizations, and deeply studying innovation during his PhD work. Get the guide for yourself at theeverydayinnovator.com slash RPM. What is a launch that stands out in your mind, maybe at a trade show or another event, that was particularly good? A launch that you would look at and go, the company did a really good job with that, and you got to be a part of that. Yeah, it's it's a recent example in that I just finished a series of two shows for this company for the second year. Hmm. But the company is Renai, and last year they launched their new tankless water heaters in the U.S. Hmm. Now, tankless water heaters are very well known in Europe and overseas, but they're just not as common here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Uh, They do have a Japanese ownership in addition to their U.S. contingent. And they had recently made some big product changes that made the tankless water heaters much easier for installers. Uh It made it where you didn't have to change the venting. You could use standard two-inch PVC pipes because in the past, I know at the show I just did last week, they were someone came up to me and said, oh, you don't have to use the four-inch certain type of pipe. No, you know, you can do a 65-foot vent run, which means you can put the tankless water heater in your basement and vent it up to the roof. Right. 
you obviously learn a lot about the products as you are preparing to present them. <laughs> oh, yes. I can picture the vent run displayed in the booth and think about all the details that I was talking about last week. Yeah. So they really wanted to get the word out that we have made this a lot more accessible. It's not as intimidating now. It's less expensive to the homeowner now and or the commercial building owner. Right to think about using these tankless water heaters. So the way that they approached this last year, uh, I actually was recommended by someone I used to work with at Whirlpool and he had moved to Renai and he said, you should contact Amy. So in this case, the director of marketing contacted me many months before the two big shows that they do, which is the builder show and the, air heating and refrigeration show. And we worked on scripting. Now it started with uh, the marketing folks working on the scripting on both the commercial side and another division and then getting me the script and the way that they worked their um, visuals for this was showing animations of behind the scenes. They had a series of animations. Some had been voiced over in the past and we used those as visuals. And of course I was, serving as the person speaking about them. So we muted the ones that had voiceover and then crafted the presentation from there with, with a series of animations with a touchscreen actually, which is pretty unique. I hadn't really used a touchscreen at a show before and people were very engaged and interested to learn about this. So that was step number one. Oh, and then I should also say that when I got the script, then I personalized it because it was written a little bit more formally in certain areas. I want to make sure that when I'm talking about something, I make it relatable and I want it to sound natural. I don't want it to sound like I'm reading it off of a brochure, right? I'm a human being talking to other human beings at the show. So there's some of that, but but the framework was there. Mm -hmm. The framework for the scripting was there. And then of course, it's also a matter at that point of timing it out with animation that was already existing. Uh, I don't remember last year if we needed to make any tweaks with the length of the animations or not, but that was something that I spent quite a bit of time prepping before, right? Because you don't want to be talking for another minute and have the animation be over, right? You want to time the section so that there's something interesting to watch in addition to what I'm saying. And so the other piece, in addition to the presentations that we did at the trade shows, was they worked with a virtual reality company out of Dallas and developed a virtual reality experience called Yank the Tank that they offered to attendees. So they would don the you know headset and have the controls in their hands, and those uh, controls were gloves. And the setup was that they would take out the old-style tank water heater, mm-hmm throw it out, bang it up. First, you could pick your tool. Actually, you talked about Star Wars. There was a light. I think they had to call it a light sword instead of a lightsaber. Might be trademarked. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) A light sword, a frying pan, or a sledgehammer. Uh So people would be, you know, banging the old tank. And there were audio prompts that guide people through this. And then they threw away the old style tank water heater and 
they saw how easy it was to replace it with a Renai tankless water heater. <laughs> Isn't that you know, fun? Much smaller, easier. Yeah. So that that's something that we offered between presentations. I actually know that company. We had looked at a tankless water heater when we built our house way back in 2000, and that was one of the well-known companies that was providing such things. Yeah, they have a great reputation. I'm looking forward to trading ours out. (laughs) That's right, when it's time to make the switch. You know. (laughs) Cool. So you shared some elements in there, too, that just talk about how you do the work with the product launch. I want to dive deeper into, you know, what actually makes a good presentation and maybe make this, you know, for any product managers that are listening that have to do a presentation that, you know, don't have the benefit of bringing in a professional to help guide through this. Tips to help us know what might be good elements to think about a presentation since you have launched so many products at, at trade shows. I'm going to start with target length. Okay. I feel like the standard attention span before people start to wander is ideally five minutes, maybe six. But if you get to seven and eight, it's running a little bit long these days. You know, back 10, 15 years ago, presentations were a little bit more common in the 10 minute range or so, even longer. But I think people's attention spans are shorter now. Mm -hmm. You know, it can be eight minutes, but you might, you might get a little bit of wandering in and out. And some people might stay for the whole thing. But I feel like a target length of five to six minutes is is good. It's enough to grab their attention, you know, give them some detail, pique their interest, mm-hmm. and invite them to learn more. So yeah. that's that's one thing. Um, of course, content. Mm-hmm. What does this product or service do? You know, what pain point does it solve? How does it work? And then, of course, a call to action at the end. You know, what do you want people to do next? Oftentimes, I'm inviting people to, of course, come into the booth because the the theater area is typically at the edge, though sometimes it's in the middle of the uh, booth. But either come into the booth or talk and or talk to talk to a representative for a demo or further information. A lot of times at the tech shows, it's it's a demo. You know, Mm -hmm. they've got their system running on the computer and someone can walk them through, you know, of course, if it's something manufacturing, then they can see the item right there displayed. So call to action at the end Uh, visuals is another thing. What, you know, is going to tell your story the best, what's compelling Mm -hmm. for the audience to watch. PowerPoint is definitely still something that, I do, and that clients provide. I do see more and more movement if it's going to be PowerPoint, either animation within the PowerPoint or video embedded in the PowerPoint. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's just a little bit more compelling than a static, a series of static slides, though that is still done and that's fine. You know, that can be fine too. If the information is there and you're keeping it interesting and the way you're presenting it, that, that can work. Also, and then of course, if you have a product that you're actually demonstrating, I've done that as well, especially in the manufacturing arena. You know, you could have packing equipment moving behind you. I did something at one point where uh, it was showing how the robotics were moving behind to do things with shelving and and Hmm. packing behind me. Yeah. Or even on the floor, there was an automated 
something that moves along the factory floor, you know, to send product to another area of the manufacturing facility. So that's part of it. Oh, excellent. Audio is a very, very important piece. Not to be underestimated. I'm sure you can relate. I, I appreciate good audio. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> so with the trade show environment or the presentation environment, oh, yes, speaker plane placement is key. There have been times when I've come in and the speakers were set where they were um, creating feedback and mm -hmm. they had to be moved up higher. Okay. So usually up high is a pretty safe bet. If you have speakers on the ground or on the, on a stand, it, you can, it, it depends where they're placed. It, mm -hmm. de it depends, but really having an AV person is key. I think it's so important for, for rehearsal set in day. And often they're there for the entire run of the show, because as you may know, there can be competing frequencies for the, <laughs> the wireless yep. And it's happened in the last two shows that I've done in the last couple of weeks. There have been issues the first day, issues with dropouts, interference, mm -hmm. competing frequencies, and adjustments have to be made. And sometimes you can adjust once and it's done, but it can be you know ongoing. And it does yep. seem to be especially bad that first day when there's so much happening. You know, there's... There's so much Wi-Fi and audio and everything. It's a crazy environment. There's just so much electromagnetic yes. energy in trade show rooms, and you know it's really unnerving when another voice starts coming over your speakers. And you're trying to figure out where is that coming from. <laughs> Actually, that happened last year. I think it was for um, IBIS or AHR, one of the shows that I mentioned earlier, and it was a, a voice speaking in Spanish that was coming over. And it was pretty quiet, but it was coming through our speaker. Yep. <laughs> so we thought, well, that's not going to work <laughs> yeah. long term. <laughs> you have to be prepared for any number of things. I think almost every trade show I've been to, at some point during the time electricity went out, Right, think mm. get overloaded, and there's that problem, and audio's got to be adjusted. Yeah, important things. Well, um, I, I want to dive into a couple of these. Anything else on the list that comes to mind? That's about it. Okay. Of course, the goal is to draw them into the booth and learn more. But yeah, 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 absolutely. So for the content part of this, and maybe another example would be helpful. I'm sure you have seen this done well and poorly when you first get that script from the company that. I imagine there's times you get the script and you go, boy, this just isn't going to connect. They're talking all about the product and not what difference it makes to people, something like that, right? What are some good points for how the content should be structured? So you do draw people into the booth. Yeah, I'd say avoid, like I said before, avoid it sounding like a brochure, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's just, it can't be just. I don't know if you call it marketing speak. I don't know if that would be a proper term, but you definitely want to personalize it. And like you said, connect to the audience. So ideally on some emotional level, mm -hmm. you know, is it solving a pain point? Well, yeah, of course you're solving a pain point with your product. So let's, let's focus on that and, you know, draw them in on that level. If you get too I mean, you can be high level and still draw them in, but 
Yeah, you definitely don't just want to talk where you're not connecting with them. Yeah, storytelling is really useful for that. And, it is. you know, there was a, a time that people probably won't remember now, you know, back in Apple's early days, when their approach to advertising was, let's talk about all the great capabilities of our computer. And Steve Jobs actually took out a multi-page ad, I think for the, I don't know if it was the Washington Post or the New York Times, but about how great this computer system was, right? <laughs> and then a couple Christmases ago, in contrast, I was just amazed by this advertisement for TV. And many people will probably recognize this. Christmas time, it's a teenage kid that looks like he's not really engaged with the family. They're visit, visiting relatives. And he's always looking down on his phone, right? He's not really part of what's going on. And then it comes time to unwrap the presents. And he shows the video that he's made capturing this Christmas time with family. And you're caught up in the story and like, wow, that's why I have to have an iPhone because I can capture family times like that. And it's that this complete switch of let's tell a story, get people caught up with the story, and then share how our product connects to that, right? That's right. Yes, because I'm being reminded of some ads too around the holidays that were just images of all sorts of different people. I think it was computer related actually, and the ways that they were using their devices, but it was so mm -hmm. powerful. I had tears in my eyes just watching it. And that you just reminded me, uh, having an example of maybe a uh, everyday, something everybody knows. Uh, there was an example of, of an I Love Lucy thing that was done in one of our tech shows last year. Now, I understand some of the younger people might not know that. Not everyone in every sure. audience knew that, but enough did that, you know, it was it was a laugh, mm -hmm. you know, and humor is, is also a good thing. So it, it did draw people in to break things up. It was at the beginning of the presentation. So I think, yes, to your point, like showing something that everyone can relate to or setting the stage in that way to, to break to break the ice, so to speak, then you can get into more of the details. Excellent. So big points out of there sound like, you know, there's the preparation work in the beginning, right? So what is the content that we want to share? Making that natural, right? Making it your own, making it sound like a story, doing that in a way that will connect with people because ultimately there is going to be some call of action. At a minimum, you want people, to, if it's a trade show event, to come into your event space and start interacting with the product, start talking to salespeople, right? So be engaged. And making that call to action clear. I've seen too many presentations where they talk, they do a nice job talking about the product. And then I'm at the end, it's like, what do I do with that? <laughs> Exactly. Bye. No, you don't want people to leave and then. <laughs> right. You piqued my curiosity and that's, that's all there is. It's like, should be right. More. Okay. So yeah. that's good. And then mechanically, right. The AV helped making sure that when things go wrong, because in a trade show environment, they will most certainly go wrong. Having someone available to correct that and get things back on track is good. Along the way, you have no doubt ran into some errors, either by the organization that brings you in that you've seen, or you probably have made some yourself, just because we all do through experience. And we learn the most through such mistakes, right? What can you share with us that are some common things to help us avoid if we're in the position of launching a product through a trade show type presentation? Sure. So I'm going to start with if there is an obvious distraction, let's say some crazy loud noise at a nearby booth or a major 
fumble either an AV issue or something that you did. Usually it's, it's something in, in the surrounding environment. Acknowledge it. Hmm. Acknowledge it. Don't just skate by it because it it actually draws everyone in. And that does include making a major mistake if you do or major or minor, whatever, but something that obviously you're flubbing around or, you know, you just acknowledge it because it always draws people in. It's incredible mm-hmm. how it works. And let's just say you're going along and it happens in the middle. You know, some people might be, they're listening, but it, it actually snaps them back into, mm-hmm. oh yeah, this is a real person. And yeah, I am connecting with this. And oh yeah, she's human too. So I that's my first one. Okay, good. It, it, I find it fascinating how that works. <laughs> it is. And I think the tendency for some people is to try to ignore it, you know, don't make it a bigger thing. But often, just by naming it and pointing it out, it's like, oh, everyone's back with you. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. you know, there must be a band in the next room that's warming up because it's just got really loud over there. Can you still hear me, right? And just to get people reconnected. Yeah. Another thing, because there are sometimes internal presentations in addition to the, quote, professional presentations that I'm doing, sometimes we'll alternate, like, on the top of the hour, I'll do one, an internal. One thing I've noticed lately is the more that someone wanders near the screen, it starts to look a little aimless. And it's not that you can't move around. You definitely want to be animated and use your hands. But if you wander too far from the, the screen, and it starts to look a little distracted and almost like the presenter is uncomfortable. Mm. So I'd say that kind of goes in with uh, confidence and just kind of plant yourself in a general area that is close to the screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On that, a good practice I have seen is when you're preparing for such a presentation, whether it's internally, you know, at your company, internal product launch, or uh, something like we're talking about the trade show environment, is if you film, make a video of your preparation that helps you identify things that are going to be distracting to the audience. Because if they're distracting to you, it's like, why do I pace back and forth the same exact six feet all the time? You see those things that you may not have been aware of before. Yes, that's a great point. And another thing you can pick up is audio things. If you default to saying, um, or there's been other ones I can't even think, but someone realized, I remember talking to her, oh, I didn't realize I, I just mm-hmm. default to that. I constantly say this when I'm thinking, you'll catch those things. Right. I have mine that I do on this podcast that drive me crazy. It's like, why do I keep doing that? But nonetheless, <laughs> <laughs> they stand out. Okay. So yeah. obvious distractions, be kind of conscious of how things are working, like not wandering in a way that might be distracting. Having a plan. And and not going too long, I think, mm-hmm. is important. Uh, tech support, we've kind of already talked about that. So making sure that the audio, the visuals, lighting, you know, good lighting mm-hmm. is it, when you can get it. In trade shows, you can't always control that. Sometimes you're getting those harsh, you know, lights from way overhead. So that partly depends just where you're positioned in the booth. Uh, just making sure to connect with the audience, not being in your head. So, you know, not forgetting that the audience is right there. Right, right? Right. So that does go with the, the rehearsal and the comfort level. So just making sure to be prepared and connecting with that audience. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. 
It seems like whenever I've done product demonstrations in front of others, Murphy's Law is alive and well at that point more than any other time. And if the product is going to malfunction, it's at that point. Advice for when this happens? Yeah, that's a great point. So again, acknowledge it. Definitely acknowledge it. But if you can talk through it still, that's great. Um, I don't know if someone is controlling something from the back and can, you know, you can say something like, Jeff, can you check the, you know, whatever it may be, or we need to advance to this or, or we'll just get that reset because someone is working uh, behind the scenes. Now, if you're controlling it, say at a laptop and you're doing a demo, then you know, the audience will stay with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, as long as you don't take five minutes of silence, you know, right. they'll stay with you. Right. They'll, they'll be there with you. Yeah. So just, just, just go with it. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I've done some of the time, and this is not a blanket statement, I think it depends on what your overall purpose is in the presentation, is it will actually be to mock up the product as if it was real to demonstrate it. So for example, if it's a phone app, and we're showing it on the big screen behind us, right? Showing the screen interactively. If all I'm really doing is going from one screen to the next screen, and I'm not truly interacting with the app, boy, I would much rather put that in a PowerPoint type slide thing, right? A mock-up tool. And just to show it, because they can always come into the booth and interact with the real thing later. Because the real thing is more likely to break than my little slideshow thing, right? Yes. Yes. And that has been done. That's a great point. Just to reduce some of the factors of Murphy's Law coming to bite us at the wrong time. That's right. (laughs) Excellent. So good information. I, again, was just fascinated to know that there's professionals that actually do this work. I just thought the people that were amazing at trade shows, companies were just fortunate enough to hire well, and you found people that, (laughs) that knew so much about so many things and also were really good at presenting. Having someone that has the ability to walk into a space and draw energy towards them and just kind of make that feel different to people is really amazing. And people that can connect at that level is helpful, especially when we're launching a product. So it's good to know about the work that you do, Amy. As listeners know, I love innovation quotes. I asked you to bring us one. What is that? Why did you choose to share that one? Sure. Success does not bring you happiness. Being happy brings success. And I just love that because it's all about being joyful and peaceful and content in in who you are and what you're doing. And it's really starting internally, right? Mm -hmm. It's saying the external doesn't bring you internal happiness. It's starting with yourself internally and being content with what you are and what you're bringing to the world that then goes out into the world and results in in success. Yeah, there's some pretty deep thinking there, right? That success does not bring you happiness. I just like the statement because it seems to be contrary to how we might think a lot of the time, right? But then being happy brings success. That things do kind of start with, you know, what's our passion? What do we care about? And are we doing something that actually makes us happy or not? Yes, passion is a great word, right? Making sure you're focusing time every day to do what basically fills your soul mm-hmm. and, and and fills your purpose yeah. and discovering what that purpose is yeah. and then doing something to make you feel good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think for a lot of us, that means doing something that's helping others. And for product managers, especially the ones that listen to this and consider themselves everyday innovators, 
a lot of that is wrapped up in creating products that customers love, right? And so we're trying to solve problems for customers and add value to them and make life maybe a little bit easier in some aspects and finding that happiness in helping others. Thanks for sharing the quote with us. Absolutely. How can people find out more about the work that you're doing and connect with you if they would like to reach out? Yeah, I think the best place is to visit my website, presentingamy.com, just like it sounds, presentingamy.com. And then, of course, I'm on LinkedIn. You can connect with me there. I'm on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and those handles are Presenting Amy. And then just recently, I I got on the boat with Instagram. So that handle is Presenting underscore Amy. Excellent. I will put the links in the show notes to all those resources. Presentingamy.com is pretty easy to find. So that would be great for anyone just listening now that wants to go check things out. And Amy, I appreciate your insights, you sharing your experience with us, helping us to be a little better presenters, thinking through some of these tips that you shared. And I think that will help us do a better job next time we're launching a product as well. So thank you. Excellent. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks again for listening to The Everyday Innovator. This is where product leaders and managers make their move to product masters, learning practical knowledge that leads to more influence, something we want and need, and confidence so you'll create products that customers love. Find the written notes of the discussion with Amy at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 222. Keep innovating. Thank you for listening to The Everyday Innovator, which teaches product managers to become product masters. For more resources, please visit TheEverydayInnovator.com.